0: Thank you very much gentlemen again coming back to tel aviv airport and what's going on over there at this particular time eric coolis joins us again technology is great especially when it works eric but hopefully at this point uh right now obviously what can you tell us about what's going in and what's coming out of if anything right now out of israel
1: right um the airport in tel aviv uh, good morning bill uh the airport in uh, tel aviv uh is the main airport in Israel? It's it's open for business. Uh, they have a long history there of uh, dealing with uh, trying to operate like normal in in when there's missiles and other warlike conditions. But now we've got an actual full blown war with uh, uh, against Hamas in Gaza, and so it's a very you know dicey situation. Tel Aviv is less than 40 miles, uh, let's say, from the from the front lines of that. So, um, but um, you know. The airports open. A lot of carriers, I'd say the, the vast majority of carriers, air, international passenger airlines, but also a lot of cargo airlines, have suspended flights indefinitely uh, until they can get a better handle on the risk uh, situation there. Um, but you know, a lot of the Israeli carrier passenger carriers like El Al and some other ones are going in there. But yesterday uh, we wrote about the you know, and, and as we've talked about here before. It, You know, even UPS and FedEx aren't flying in. There are purple and brown tails Um, they've suspended. And they're still serving Israel, but mostly we suspect through commercial third parties, either putting packages on passenger airlines or or some other cargo airlines. So uh, there's not that many going in there. But uh, we picked up word and did a little connecting of the dots uh, yesterday about a small startup airline out of Florida called Global Crossing, Airlines, they just started commercial operations as a charter pl- operator two years ago, flying uh, passenger planes. And then early this year, or in the summer, they got their first two Airbus A321 converted freighters. These are um, standard body size planes. And uh, they said they were flying two of their aircraft to Israel with about 50 tons of uh, relief supplies, medical supplies, first responder gear, and so forth. And turns out, uh, we tracked them on some flight tracking sites. They're pretty much uh, going the northern route through stopping in New Hampshire, then Reykjavik, Iceland, Frankfurt, and finally going down to Israel. So that's interesting that they're going in there um, in, in such a conflict zone. Uh, especially that they don't, since they don't have these, you know, traditional long-haul type of freighters.
2: And Eric, certainly. What's going on in the region? What can we expect for types of commodities flying into the area? I can only imagine a lot of relief supplies and things like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I guess there'll be more types of, uh, you know, relief supplies, first aid and so forth to sustain any, uh, you know, people who are dislocated from their homes because of the war that are, you know, kind of internal refugees temporarily in Israel, or maybe to provide relief supplies to anybody who evacuates out of Gaza, but also just, you know, kind of in preparation for a long war. And then just normal, you know, food and other um, commodities uh, because Israel wants to try and keep its economy going uh, as much as normal, um, you know, because that's important.
0: So, Eric, as you look at the situation, he's also mentioned to us another interesting story about Kalita Air, I believe. What what, what are they doing? And obviously, this is a little bit
1: uh, interesting and extreme at times. Yeah. So, you know, when I was trying to check on, you know, who which cargo airlines are still operating there, you know, we know DHL is going there. I found out uh, Silkway West out of uh, Azerbaijan, um, MNG Airlines out of Turkey. Um, and a couple others, Lufthansa Cargo, are still flying some of their freighters in there. Um, And I up popped uh, Kalita Air, which is a large uh, cargo airline out of Michigan. They fly 747s and a few 777s. And lo and behold, there showed up one of their 777s on the ground in Tel Aviv. But it was kind of a little bit of a head fake. They're really not um, flying cargo in there. That plane is a brand new let me rephrase that it's a used brand new used plane a passenger plane that's being converted by israel aerospace industries it's being converted for the first time ever a triple seven into a full-time cargo plane it's got the cargo door cut out and all the other um modifications that are made to the fuselage and you know that plane still needs to get its uh a supplemental type certificate for modifying the original design of a plane um, and so it still needs to do flight testing. And that plane was flown back into Tel Aviv to do a second round of flight testing so that they could get their certification from Israel and hopefully the uh, USFAA um, by the end of the year. So that, I thought that was interesting, flying in to do some more test flying in, in what's technically a kind of a conflict zone. Definitely
0: there as well. Um, one of the... I was thinking, uh... Well, some some prognosticators are saying that they look to, that, that this war, unfortunately, may look to spread beyond Israel's borders into uh, more of a regional conflict. If that does indeed happen, do you see air cargo not only avoiding perhaps Israel but even that area of the Middle East as a whole?
1: Um, you know, it kind of depends. I mean, I, I don't think so. I don't think anyone's going to fly right near the border zone. But you know. There could be eruptions in other states. I mean, Lebanon's not a real big cargo destination. Amman, Jordan, I'm guessing, gets a fair amount of cargo. But you can probably fly, you know, it'll probably change uh, the routings for sure of these aircraft, as we noted in our story. Even in coming into Tel Aviv, the Air, the civil aviation authorities changing the way the planes come in. They're taking more of a northerly route rather than flying straight in uh, from the, uh, you know, from the west um, into Tel Aviv. So um, change the routings to kind of, um, you know, to make things a little safer. And, and of course, in Israel, they're taking a lot of other measures as well.
2: And speaking of those measures, are there any kind of, I would say, policies or new practices now with civilian aircrafts maybe looking to leave the country or fly into the country potentially?
1: Um, well, I'm not really sure about that. But just to, to pick up on that theme about safety or avoidance, of the, the Israeli aviation authorities have a really interesting system. You know, they're they're flying kind of these commercial aircraft or navigating them through a conflict zone where, you know, Israel is a very small country, maybe the size of New Jersey, and they've got the, all these fighter planes in the air. They've got missiles coming in. They've got their Iron Dome anti-missile defense system, and you got to navigate around that so the air traffic controllers work closely with the military air traffic controllers, and they also know when the Iron Dome is going to fire, and they are able to also maneuver airplanes if they pick up a missile launch, enemy missile launch, and if there's a threat. They say they have like 90 seconds or more to kind of move the plane a little bit. And so they say there's not that much risk. They know how to handle it, but uh, it's definitely a, a tense situation.
0: Definitely there as well. you only got 90 seconds to move a plane. You better be on your game there as well. Uh, you also had uh, reports of uh, United uh, announcing their earnings for uh, the quarter there. What can you tell us about them and especially how do they compare up with, with Delta and others in the same uh, kind of in the same
1: boat? Yeah, United Airlines' uh, third quarter earnings are really uh, good um, for the company as a whole. Revenue of fourteen and a half billion set a record. They were very profitable, um, but you know their cargo business, which is a tiny fraction of the overall business, that that went down substantially, about a third from a year ago. That's what we pretty much expected. It's tracking pretty much what they've done for the for the whole year, the first two quarters, um, and. You know, it was pretty much on track with what Delta last week reported, 36 percent down on cargo revenue. United does a little better overall in absolute dollars because they, they just have a bigger cargo network, fly big, more big planes. So they're always ahead of Delta in, in absolute dollars, um, 330 million to about 250 million, I think, for the quarter. So but it just goes hand in hand with what we're seeing in the overall market. Uh that it's it's been down for 18 months. Now it's bottomed out and it's, you know, kind of just bumping along the bottom.
2: And Eric, with this expectation of maybe a bottoming out, are you really expecting to see that there's going to be a slow rise up in terms of overall air cargo activity or maybe that that activity can be a little bit more faster?
1: Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of seasonality um, you know, for this so-called peak season, which really isn't a peak. It's a mini, mini peak, if that. But there's still some seasonality. Things are a little better than August and, and through September and into October. So, you know, from that standpoint, you know, it's it's a slightly optimistic. But if you look uh, more broadly or some of the clouds on the horizon or versus last year, which is a terrible peak season, you know, it's basically f- flat to, to zero growth.
2: Eric, thanks so much for joining us this morning and breaking down this top story of the day and giving us a little bit more insights into quarterly earnings. We'll be sure to check in with you as this develops.
1: My pleasure, Anthony. See you.
2: See you soon. Right now, we're going to throw things over to Bill Priestley with today's top stories.